This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. All right, so Tyler Sagan will not be able to play for Team Canada at the upcoming World Cup of Hockey. He has been replaced by Ryan O'Reilly. Lower body injury for Sagan but uh, not expected to be serious, but enough to keep him off skates for a week or two, but a week and a half maybe. So Ryan O'Reilly jumps in for Sagan. Blue Jays uh, now down 6-2 in the top of the ninth to Tampa Bay. And uh, the Boston-Baltimore game is 5-3 in favor of the O's. That's in uh, the top of the eighth. We'll keep you updated on those ones. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for tuning in tonight. It's 8.06. Matthew Panashik is on the other side of the window. Well, that was fun. The last hour. My goodness. This ain't work when you do interviews like that. Mookie Mitchell in studio for the past hour. Canadian Football Hall of Fame inductee. Going in on Friday during the uh, Montreal. Well, I think the ceremony might be on Thursday, and then they're honored at the game on Friday. Man, that was good, Matthew. The guy can tell a story. You'd ask him a question. He'd just go off and just go off, and it was great. I love the story, though, about how he became a wide receiver because he wanted to get the girls. That's right. I, that's great. He'd score the touchdowns, get the girls. That was his motivation <laughs> as a teenager in Miami. Hey, why not? He was honest about it. I, I enjoy – I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been very fascinated, Matthew, with, with play calling in football, with, you know, adjustments and, and, and why certain plays are called at a time. And, and certainly you realize – there's a lot of adjustments on the fly and Doug Flutie basically had permission if you want to just make up a play in the huddle just do it right and that's he, uh, we we talked about that long touchdown well a short pass long run he scored against the Eskimos back in 1997 Doug Flutie just said in the huddle hey you do this Mookie you do this and he saw something and it worked and they got a touchdown off it now some quarterbacks don't have that leeway though most wouldn't probably I would be think I'd be interested to know if Mike Rowley has that kind of leeway, but you know, like Doug Flutie was a very special quarterback, and he was an NFL type quarterback, and that was playing in the CFL. Eventually, of course, went to play for the Buffalo Bills, but Flutie had that ability to make plays and make them work right, and not only the plays that were called in the huddle, but plays that were called from the sidelines as well. Right, he changed them up in audible. He was the he's like Peyton Manning. You don't you think, Reed? He could just change a play on the fly and bang. Yeah, well, Flutie was a very special player, an athlete very well suited to the Canadian game. What, what was he, Bills, Chargers, and then Patriots in the NFL? The Patriots, remember, he kicked he a... kicked uh, the drop kick. Kicked the drop kick. the drop kick convert. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it surprised the hoodie let him do that. Well, I guess that's how highly he thought of uh, Doug Flutie. 
Uh, Mookie Mitchell, great player. Uh, 1997 Argos, I think one of the best teams in CFL history. They won the Grey Cup right here in Edmonton, uh, handling the Saskatchewan Rough Riders pretty easily after Saskatchewan upset the Eskimos in the West Final. He set a record for receptions in... Uh, I just got to double-check something here. Hang on, Matthew. Um, he set a record for pass receptions in a season. I just got to double-check... Uh, most pass receptions season because it's it's not even close like it's uh, just getting it here M Mookie had 160 receptions 160 receptions in 1998 okay the next most Alan Pitts in 1994 had 126. Mookie has the record by 34 catches. That's two a game. Mookie also one of three CFL players to have 2,000 yards receiving in a season. He had exactly 2,098. Terry Greer had 2,003 in 83. That's impressive. It was uh, still a 16-game season. Alan Pitts, 2,036 in 1994. So, I mean, we're talking with one of the... I mean, he's he's probably one of the five best receivers in the history of the league. You know, I, I, I don't think I'm overstating it, am I, Matthew? He's certainly top ten. No, you're not overstating and in, it. In terms whatsoever. of his individual accomplishments, I mean, rookie of the year, gaudy numbers almost every season he played, couple of great cups, and a, you know, a big contributor on all the teams he played on, Edmonton and Toronto. Yeah, one of the great ones for sure. Very deserving to go into the uh, Canadian Football Hall of Fame. That game's on Friday, Montreal-Hamilton. The Eskimos will play Sunday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 1 o'clock for the pregame show on Ched. 2.30 will, uh, will be the kickoff. Of course, we'll have it all for you. Calvin McCarty. Not good for him. The longtime Eskimo is on the six-game injured list, suffered a fractured right fibula Saturday against Calgary. We'll find out more about John White's status tomorrow when the Eskimos get back on the practice field. Uh, I would not be surprised, and I know a lot of you want this to happen, if Akeem Shavers winds up being the Eskimos running. Or not Akeem. My God, I'm going back to last year's Grey Cup. Shakir Bell. It's like, how many Eskimo running backs can I name? Mark Nora will be the running back. Tyler Ebell will be the running back. No, if uh, if Shakir Bell will be the running back against uh, Saskatchewan on, on Sunday afternoon. The Eskimos have also re-signed receiver and kick returner Troy Studemeyer. So maybe somebody who's going to slide in there and uh, replace Kenzel Doe for a little more spark in the return game, which I know has been a big complaint for, for a lot of you as we moved along through this season. This portion of Inside Sports brought to you by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. The Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park on September 17th. You can be there for a great day of racing. You can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. Colin in Two Hills says, what position would Reed play in football? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Probably uh, something where I wouldn't have to be relied on to do anything that affected the success of the team. <laughs> Scoreboard operator, maybe? The water boy. Is that... You can do it. No, I don't want to be the water boy. Come on. Uh, Lovely fan says, great interview, Emmy-worthy, LOL. <laughs> well, 
Thanks for the nomination for a television award. That's great. Uh, good to have Mookie Mitchell in studio. You miss anything, you can go back to the 630 Chet archives on the Inside Sports page on 630Chet.com. Uh, we're going to have more fun ahead. Jack Armstrong, very animated basketball analyst for the Toronto Raptors. He's coming to Edmonton on the weekend. You'll find out why. He's going to join me between 8.30 and 9. And we're uh, featuring a WHL personality every day of the week here this week on Inside Sports to get you ready for the season. We had longtime Saskatoon Blades announcer Les Lazaric on last night. When we get back, we'll feature the man, the young man, who is expected to be the number one overall pick in the NHL draft next June from the Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick will join us. It's Inside Sports on Ched. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30, Chad. 6-2, Tampa Bay leading Toronto. That one is now into the bottom of the ninth with two out. Obviously not looking good for the Blue Jays. The Western Hockey League season getting closer. They're into the preseason. The games will start counting in the standings next weekend. One of the big stars in the WHL forward from the Brandon Wheat Kings is Nolan Patrick. Nolan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Doing very well. So you're in your exhibition games here with the Brandon Wheat Kings. The season is right around the corner. When did you start to get that itch over the summer where you're like, okay, I've had enough time off. It's time to get going with hockey again. Uh, well, for me, it was uh, a lot shorter summer than uh, a lot of other people due to how far we went uh, from the Mem Cup there. So, But uh, kind of the whole summer for me, I've been looking back at it because I went down with that injury there and I had surgery over the summer. So. I've just been uh, watching my team practice and skating alone right now, so I'll get back into things. How are things, uh, you know, coming with the injury, and and have you ever had to deal with with something like that in the off season before? Uh, yeah, it's coming good. It's uh, it's obviously kind of like a nagging injury. It's uh, you know, it's been about eight weeks now, so I'm hoping to be ready. Uh, hoping to be ready soon, but yeah, I've had a few injuries in, uh, in my career so far, but none in, none in the off season. I had a few. Uh, collarbone injuries when I was younger and then I broke my ankle once but those were all during the season so it's a little different yeah Nolan there are a lot of lists out in the hockey world including Craig Button putting one out today and people are already talking about you as the guy who's going to go first overall at the next NHL draft in in June in Chicago what's that like being ranked number one already and and how much attention do you pay to that uh I don't pay too much attention to that right now there's uh there's a lot of hockey to be played before any of that uh any of that happens that's for sure so my uh my main focus right now is just getting healthy and getting back with the team all right yeah i guess uh i guess you gotta play a few games before you're drafted yet eh so <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you a lot of hockey so yeah for sure um give me a little sense of of why you've been able to have a couple of productive seasons in the western hockey league. How, how would you give how would you give someone who'd never seen you play a scouting report of your own game i'm a two-way centerman i try to be as good as i'm in uh, the offensive zone as the defensive zone i really take pride in that and uh, i think i see the ice pretty well I think uh, I've kind of had success in the Western League so far. i got to give a lot of credit to Kelly McCurman. He, uh, when I was young there, he kind of made me work my way up at the start of the season. And then 
few injuries happened, so I got chances to get on the power play like that, and then I found some tennis juice and some very good players like Morgan Klimchuk and, and Jace Howerluck, so that's kind of how things have gone for me so far. Do you have any uh, any personal goals for this season or any, any th- parts of your game you'd like to tweak or improve on? Uh, I don't have any goals or points or anything like that. I just I just try to get better every day and you know enjoy things. I uh, I want to improve my my speed. That's kind of something I've been working on for a while. My foot speed. So that's something that I always uh, try to improve every day. Nolan Patrick from the Brandon Wheat Kings joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You know, Nolan, your your family story is an interesting one because uh, your dad, your uncle played in the NHL. And I, I didn't realize this until I was uh, talking to a member of the Wheat King staff this morning. Your grandfather was was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Now, I, I'm going to assume you never saw him play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, what what can you tell me about your granddad? Yeah, I, uh, you're right there. I never saw him uh I never saw him play, but he's uh, yeah. He was a really good guy. He was uh, he was very serious and hardworking. He was uh, his personality is the complete opposite of my dad. He's a really serious guy, and my dad's more laid back, pretty funny. So yeah, he was uh, you know he was a great guy, and he was always uh, he was always on me about school, making sure I was uh, I was focused on school. That was something he was big into. So yeah, he was a great guy. Did did you ever get any stories from playing football and you know a little little bit of a different era than what we have now? Football's changed quite a bit. Did any any uh, stories he told you that stand out? No, I didn't. Uh, he didn't tell me too many stories about his football career. He okay. was actually uh, he was actually uh, a wrestler before that. So, like a he pro was, wrestler uh, or a <laughs> like? <laughs> yeah, he was all over the place. So. Oh wow, interesting guy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did 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 he have a like a nickname or anything like that that he told you about? Oh, I have no idea. I just seen some uh, some pictures of him wrestling. So okay, well he's he's in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame too. So yeah, very uh, accomplished gentleman. Absolutely. Um, you know your your dad Steve Patrick played 250 games in the NHL. Your uncle James Patrick played almost 1,300 games in the NHL. Are they uh, are they a bit of a resource for you as you as you're playing major junior hockey and you hope to one day step into the NHL? Is is there any uh, advice or or words of wisdom they give you, or how does that, those relationships work? Yeah, there's uh, we'd be sitting here all day if I was uh, telling you all the advice they both give me. So, but uh, yeah, when I was younger, my dad was kind of he was always around helping me on the backyard rink and in the garage working on a stick on shooting pucks. He was always uh, pushing me with that, and then. As I uh, as I got older, my uncle kind of got more involved with me, and you know he's uh, he watches a ton of my games, so he calls me about four or five times a week, and he's he's always giving me advice and he tell me things I can do better and what to work on. So they've both been uh, they've both been huge for me. That's got to be something because you know getting the, getting that advice from ex NHLers would be something a lot a lot of other prospects wouldn't have, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I. Uh, I can't complain there. They've been uh, they've been huge for me. You know, all the advice they've uh, they've given me. So they've been. Uh, sometimes my uncle's got to got to hold back because he's got uh, he's got about 20 things to tell me after one game. So he uh, he tries to cut it down as much as he can and just tell me a few things so he's looking good. Okay, good stuff. What a, what about? Uh, I mean, we're talking about the guys in the family. It, your mom, sisters, any, any of them uh, in into sports? Yeah, my uh, my mom actually played volleyball at uh, 
at U of W and then went on to play on the Canadian national team and uh, that's how she met my dad. My dad, uh, my dad's sister played on uh, her team there. So, so really, Nolan, you you pretty much had no choice. You were going to be an athlete one way or another, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Didn't really have an option growing up. I was kind of forced into it, but uh, not complaining at all. You know, I love it, so it's been uh, it worked out well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, last year you were the the playoff MVP in the Western Hockey League, and you guys went to the Memorial Cup. Ultimately, you know that tournament didn't go so great. How how do you look back on on last season? A lot of team success until until right at the very end. Does it does it leave you a little hungry here? Yeah, for sure. Obviously. Uh, Obviously, it's not how uh, we wanted to end it. We wanted to end things there, but you know, I think uh, a lot of guys don't really get a chance to to play, even play in the Western League final. And, you know, we played in uh, in a back-to-back year, so that's uh, something special there. And obviously, uh, losing the way we did wasn't uh, wasn't fun, but uh, you know, our main goal this year is to get back there and hopefully get another shot at it. Besides the two gentlemen we've talked about that you're related to, Nolan, any uh, current or past NHLers that you've kind of admired, cheered for, or maybe even modeled your game after a bit? Uh, I don't know if there's one guy that I've I've been asked that question a lot, one guy that I've really modeled my game after. But uh, there's there's three guys that that I've always liked to watch. Uh, Nick Baxter from the Capitals, um, Jamie Benn, and Andre Kopitar. How come? Uh, I just Nick Baxter for his passing abilities. He uh, he sees the ice unbelievable, and he's one of the most underrated guys in the league. And I just think he's uh, he's a special player and deserves a little more attention than he gets. And uh, Jamie Ben, because I think you know that Jamie Ben's unbelievable. If you watch him every night, he's he's doing something out there. And Andre Kopitar is just a really good two-way guy, so I kind of like to watch him see how he see how he is in defensive zone and things like that. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you making time for us in this interview. I, I know it's uh, it's busy for you here with this with the season uh, ramping up, and uh, I know you don't pay attention to the lists, but uh, you know, good for you that you are highly ranked uh, as people already start thinking about next year's draft. Really appreciate your time, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the uh, trip to Edmonton and Rogers Place later on in the season as well, Nolan. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Right on. That is Nolan Patrick from the Brandon Wheat Kings. Big things expected from that young man, from that team this season. And uh, a lot of people saying it, he is expected to go number one in Chicago in June of 2017. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Northlands Park, Racetrack and Casino. The Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park on September 17th. Be there for a great day of racing. It's going to be great to have Jack Armstrong, Raptors basketball analyst, next on Inside Sports. He's coming to Edmonton. You'll find out why. from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Shake it up John Bob. 
Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thank you for tuning in. You can always text 6.30, You can call 780-496-0063. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. And the email, insidesports at 630ched.com. Blue Jays lost 6-2. The Red Sox are losing 6-3 to the Orioles. That one uh, now into the bottom of the ninth. So the Orioles poised to get back within two of first place Boston, while Toronto would stay two games back of first in the American League East. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, great to have Daryl Mookie Mitchell on the show earlier. He's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Rob Brown joined us as well. You heard from Dave Campbell with some Eskimos update. Nolan Patrick from the Brandon Wheat Kings was just on the show, and the uh, guest list keeps on rolling. He is coming to uh, Edmonton this weekend. He is a television analyst for the Toronto Raptors. I'm sure many of you appreciate his energy. It is Jack Armstrong. Jack, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Reed, I'm doing great. Pleasure to be on. Well, and you're you're coming to Edmonton. Is this going to be your first trip to our fair city, or what's your history with our town? Yeah, no, I'm very excited. Uh, my first time, and uh, I've always wanted to uh, visit Edmonton. And then, uh, then the next day, I'm doing a clinic in Calgary, so it's my first time there as well. And then I'll be back two weeks later for the Raptor exhibition game there. So but I'm really excited about coming to Edmonton, obviously, uh, over the years, you know, being a hockey fan, watching the Edmonton Oilers and uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier and company, uh, those great teams. And, uh, you know, I've heard so many wonderful things about the city. So uh, I'm really excited. Unfortunately, I'm only going to be there for a brief time, but hope to come back again and again. Now, aren't you, uh, aren't you originally from Brooklyn? So does that make you a, a Rangers fan when it comes to hockey? Or, or <laughs> do you have any allegiances? <laughs> Well, I grew up in New York, and uh, yeah, I, I followed the Rangers when they had uh, you know, Raj Gilbert and Jean Vitel, and uh, uh, obviously you had Jackman and Brad Park and uh, some great, great players, Ryan Duguay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've lived in Buffalo now for, what is it, 26, 27 years now. So I'm actually a season ticket holder at Buffalo Sabres games as well as the Buffalo Bills. So. I kind of follow those teams because I know people over those teams. You kind of, you get as you go, get older, you root for friends. Right. Well, and Buffalo got Jack Eichel the same year the Oilers got Connor McDavid. So a little, uh, good little connection there. Yeah, and I got it. I got it. I was at Raptor training camp last year in Vancouver, and Matt Devlin and I, my broadcast partner, and I went to uh, over to the Canucks at uh, the Oilers game, a preseason game. Uh, we had a chance to watch Connor McDavid. So he's a special player, and I think both of those guys are going to do exceptionally well in the N- N- NHL for a long period of time. Yeah, we're and they're currently teammates on Team North America, so that's been fun seeing them as, as they roll yeah, into absolutely. that tournament. Is it, who, here, let me ask you this. Who do you think has been the most, because there's been so much hype about McDavid. I mean, going back to when he was 14, 15, people were already saying he was going to be a great player. Who do you think the most has had the most hype surrounding their career coming into the NBA? I mean, certainly there was a lot around LeBron and Shaq when he came out of LSU. Do you think there's been an NBA player that's sort of been in that stratosphere where it's like, oh, this, this is the guy. We all got to watch this guy. Well, I would say, uh, you know, I would say the fact that we didn't have social media and the Internet and sports talk radio 
and ESPN and those types of things, TSN and all that kind of stuff back then. Uh, I would say by far the most hyped guy ever would be Lou Alcindor, quote-unquote Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, from his time at you know Powell Memorial in New York City and then UCLA, uh, the championships playing for John Wooden. I think if Lou Alcindor, again, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, came up in this era, he would be by far the most hyped athlete ever. Uh, but, you know, he, he kind of was under the radar and yet was swarmed and overwhelmed even in that era. So, uh, but I would say in the modern era, from a basketball perspective, uh, I would say LeBron James, uh, you know, his high school games were on national TV and ESPN. Uh, you know, so uh, there was an incredible amount of hype associated with him. So I would have to say him. LeBron did it for Cleveland. He he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Is he the, is, is he the greatest of all time? I mean, I, I still I still always say Jordan, but I was a teenager when he was excelling, right, or when he came into the league. So you tend to go back to that era of your life. But LeBron's LeBron's become a pretty special player. He's special, Reed. I'm not sure where we're going to rank him yet. Uh, you know, I think those are things that will come down years and years later when the whole uh, when his whole resume is written. Uh, you know, obviously right now you got Bill Russell. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I mentioned, and Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. Uh, you've been so many great players. Uh, Oscar Robinson, uh, you know, John Havlicek, uh, just to name a few. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, where where he will ultimately rank, uh, only time will tell. But uh, there's no question that uh, he is going to be definitely part of that discussion of one of the all-time greats. Uh, he already is an all-time great, but in terms of where you rank them, one to five or from six to ten or wherever, um, it, it'll be a fascinating study. But you know, based upon what he's accomplished in his career, and, and it's, in defense of him, some of the teams he's played on, he's ultimately had to really carry them on his back. Uh, he's had a remarkable run so far. And I obviously have gotten a chance to see him up close and personal his entire career. Uh, the Toronto Raptors drafted Chris Bosh a few slots after him. And, uh, you know, Chris has had a real nice career. Hopefully he's healthy this year. Uh, but when you look at LeBron and look at his greatness, and uh, fans across Canada got to see that Eastern Conference Finals this year with the Raptors and the Cavs. Uh, the man is just, uh, just a, a sensational player. Jack Armstrong joining us on Inside Sports, Toronto Raptors broadcaster. He's coming to Edmonton and Calgary this weekend for Basketball Alberta Super Weekend, and I, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. Jack, I, I want to talk about you. I mean, you, you have such a great deal of energy and, and passion that is so evident when when people watch you, when they when they hear you involved in the broadcast. And, you know, you're like a lot of people. You've, you've made a transition from coaching to, to broadcasting. What what has kept you going, you know, in in broadcasting? And said, you know what, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not going to coach again. I'm going to going to keep going, and I'm going to bring all my energy into into covering the Raptors and talking to Canadians. Where, where where does that spark come from for you? I think the spark comes from the fact that I'm happy, you know. And I think when you're coaching, a lot of times you're not happy because there's always some challenge, there's always some frustration, uh, there's headaches. Uh, it's 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 a lot of uh, issues that come uh, with just managing people. 
and you know the stress and strain of winning and losing and uh, the highs and lows and uh, you know I reflect back on my career now and I, I think sometimes I got too emotionally invested and you know when I reflect on uh, you know when I finished coaching I was emotionally spiritually physically you know just burnt out and needed a little time away from it and you know my mindset was that I you know when I got hired by the Raptors 19 years ago to be a broadcaster and I was doing you know a lot of college basketball on TV in the United States as well that I would do that for a year or two and then I'd get back into coaching again and here I am starting my 19th year in two weeks as a Raptor broadcaster so I you know, each time there's been opportunities to get back in it, uh, there's been better reasons pulling at me to say, why would you ever consider that? You know, yeah, the money is great now uh, in the NBA from a coaching standpoint. The money is great at the high level of Division One college basketball that I used to coach at. Um, on the other hand, there's trade-offs, and the money doesn't love you back. And I think you reach a point where you feel like, you're a better husband, better father. Uh, you know, I'm away a lot, uh, but I feel like when I am around, I'm more invested on a day-to-day basis than I think I would have been if I continued to coach. Well, good answer for sure. Uh, I, I, you know, very candid about what you, you know, how coaching sort of um, exhausted you basically by by the end. It was at Niagara University. That's where you were for about a decade. Yeah, I was at Niagara for 10 years, and before that I was an assistant at Fordham University in the Bronx for four years, and uh, I was a high school coach in Brooklyn prior to that. Uh, you know, so I've coached every level. I had, obviously I haven't coached in the NBA, but I've worked in the NBA now for a long period of time. So I've kind of gotten a taste of it at every level, uh, an appreciation for what uh, goes on at every level, and um, it was a great experience. I can't thank basketball enough. I've had two different careers in the sport. And, uh, you know, I always tell people I can't thank that orange ball enough because, uh, it, you know, it's given me my livelihood and it's given me um, happiness. And, and the people I've had a chance to meet and the places I've had an opportunity to visit and the experiences and the brotherhood and the, uh, the fun and the laughs and the stress and the strain and the, uh, anxiety, all those things that come with it, uh, have all been worthwhile. Jack, I got to ask you this because I did six seasons of play-by-play for the University of Alberta basketball teams here in Edmonton, and I sat courtside for most of those. Uh, I had a uh, local referee, Karen Lasuk, on this show, who got to go referee women's games at the Olympics. The basketball coach official dynamic is an interesting one because you can be in such close proximity to each other let me put it to you this way when you were a coach did you ever change a referee's mind in one of your discussions (laughs) Uh, no i never did but uh, i'll tell you this Uh, you know i I think um you know coaches i don't think ever think they're going to change their mind on that call i think coaches think that they're going to do is set the referee up for the next call and the next call after that. And, you know, you're always trying to sell something um, before the call happens. So I think after the fact, you can't do it. But I think uh, I think you're not going to find a coach that doesn't think that they're trying to 
um, do a good sales job uh, to convince that uh, something that they see and that they want to see uh, can actually be called. So, uh, you know, we're all competitive and we're all trying like crazy to get that next call. But referees are also very, very smart, and they know they're being baited and, and being uh, trying to be uh, kind of influenced into the next call. So, uh, you know, the best ones are, are on top of it and, and not are not easily influenced whatsoever. All right. Jack, before I let you go, just tell me a little bit about uh, a super weekend. Uh, this must be such a cool opportunity to, for you to reach out to a lot of people. What, what's an important message here maybe for coaches at, at the amateur level? Probably, I mean, I imagine you'll be talking to probably a lot of relatively new basketball coaches as well. I, I think my message is going to be uh, less about X's and O's and more about the people component of the job and you know, managing you know, all the dynamics that come with that. I mean, I'll talk uh, you know, about the X's and O's and different components of, of the teaching and, and the, you know, the, uh, the intricacies, uh, the, the game planning, all those types of things, the schematics that go into it. But I'm going to talk probably more about just the dynamics of leadership and coaching and uh, dealing with the modern athlete, the, you know, the modern parent, the modern fan, the modern administrator, uh, the media, whatever, uh, the different things that go into it and trying to keep your sanity and have fun with it and enjoy it and, and be a, a good role model and a good teacher and, and shape the young men and young ladies that, uh, we're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to coach, and it's a very rewarding profession. Um, and and uh, at the same time, you got to look after uh, yourself too, and make sure that uh, it's not taking too much of a toll on you and your personal life either. So it's a it's going to be more of a common sense discussion on um, kind of uh, you know just coaching uh, and co- what the coaching profession is now and the, the, the ups and downs and the challenges that go with it. Um, you know, from my experience, uh, you know, 14 years as an NCAA Division One coach and a high school coach prior to that, someone who also coached at the grade school level, uh, working in the NBA for 19 years, kind of my observations on, on all those types of things. So uh, kind of some food for thought. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think a lot of times uh, the great Morgan Wooden, who coached at the math, I used to say it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And I, I'm a big believer in that. That uh, if you can't get to uh, a player's spirit and their soul and their passion, uh, their love affair for what they do, then you're not going to be a very successful coach. And uh, I think the best players, the best coaches. The best referees uh, have that absolute love affair with the sport. And I think as a coach, as a teacher, as a leader, and as, as an educator, you got to appeal to that passion and you got to get to the core of that, to their true soul. And, and I, I kind of, that's what I'm going to talk about. And, uh, you know, chat a lot about that and then try to uh, answer people's questions about, uh, things that are going on in their coaching world right now that maybe uh, I have some background that can be helpful to them or 
create a discussion that uh, people can maybe learn a thing or two. And, and, you know, I think back when I was a young coach and I would go to coaching clinics and there's Dean Smith or Larry Brown or Bobby Knight or Mike Krzyzewski or uh, Abe Lemons or, um, you know, you know Jim Beheim or Roly Massimino or uh, Chuck Daly or Pat Riley or all the different, Rick Pitino, Yubi Brown, all the different people I was very fortunate enough as a young coach to hear speak. And, you know, you come away and your head spinner, you know. And, and so I don't want to overwhelm people too much with X's and O's and here's this inbound play and here's this press offense. And uh, I, I think, it, it, you know, you, the X's and O's part of it, in my opinion, is the easy part of it. Uh, the harder part is really connecting and motivating and getting uh, in team sports everyone to pull the rope in the same direction. Jack? Awesome answer, awesome interview. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sports tonight. And again, enjoy Edmonton, enjoy Alberta. Great to know you're coming to town, sir. Reed, my pleasure. I hope to have a chance to meet you on Saturday when I'm in town. And uh, I'm really excited about it. And go Royals. Yeah, right on. Thank you, Jack. Jack Armstrong, Raptors basketball analyst. Man, good stuff from Jack. Always uh, love watching him work the games. Get that garbage out of here. No. Get that trash. <laughs> One of his famous calls. Get that garbage out of here. It is 851. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Back to recap the news of the day and your scores when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Got a text here from James after the Jack Armstrong interview. He says Jack is so well-spoken. His passion for the game comes through with every word. Can't argue with that. Going to be some lucky coaches in Edmonton and Calgary for Basketball Alberta's Super Weekend coming up this weekend. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6.30. Chad, okay, so the Blue Jays lose 6-2 to the Rays. Boston loses 6-3 to Baltimore. So now Boston two games ahead of both Toronto and Baltimore for first in uh, the American League East. Calvin McCarty from the Eskimos, broken right fibula. He's on the six-game DL. The Eskimos also sign kick returner slash receiver Troy Studemeyer. He has played in the CFL before. He was released by the Minnesota Vikings at the end of uh, August. All right, here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow, this will be fun. We'll continue our trip around the Western Hockey League with former Edmonton Oilers captain, now the head coach of the Kelowna Rockets, Jason Smith, will join us. Kevin Karius will also uh, make his weekly appearance in studio as well. Bob Stoffer is going to be on the show. That'll be another fun one coming up. want to thank our guests tonight. Besides Jack Armstrong, you heard from Nolan Patrick of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Daryl Mookie Mitchell, former Eskimo and Argonauts receiver. He's going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame later this week. He was in studio for an hour. Rob Brown, our in-game analyst for our Oilers broadcast, was on the show, as was the producer of the program and our Eskimos analyst, Dave Campbell. If you missed that situation in uh, Montreal, quarterback Rakeem Cato getting upset at Deron Carter today, getting upset with Kenny Stafford. He shoved Deron Carter. Of course, Anthony Calvillo now on the Alouettes coaching staff. There's a healthy blow up and there's a unhealthy. And today might be on the borderline of, of unhealthy. Um, but I don't know the facts. I knew the facts last time. I don't know the facts this time. 
All right. He's just not saying, I think. Uh, this texter says, just heard the tail end of your interview with Jack Armstrong. Would you be able to tell me where and when he will be talking to coaches here? You know what? Running low on time. I will just direct you to the Basketball Alberta website. It'll have all the information for Super Weekend coming up. The studio producer this evening, Matthew Panashik. Great job, Matthew. Go Bengals, eh? Who day? My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciated that you listened to the show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.